This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I am Joe Lipsett, and I am joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. Ladies, we have reached the end of an era. It is Physical Season 3, Episode 10, the series finale. Three years, 30 episodes. We have covered each and every one of these and we're at the end of the road. I'm tearing up. Feels just <laughs> like yesterday. It kind of does, right? <laughs> yeah, and this was the show that started this show too, you know. So mm-hmm. it is it does feel like um you know, we're it, it, the end of an era, I think is a great way to describe it. Also, Jesus Christ, have we been doing this for 3 years now? I know. Right? I, I guess we have. That is wild. Time has, time has no meaning anymore. No. Yeah, I don't think any of us have aged a day. Either. Yeah, I think I think like we kind of just started us as a fun, you know, well, you know, we're all at home still because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you know, things have returned to some sense of normalcy. And, right. you know, but we're still, you know, we're still kicking it. So yeah. still trucking along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're still uh, aerobicizing, yes. as you might say. Yeah. <laughs> We just want to do aerobics together and be best friends, and that's what we get. Indeed. It's funny that we're talking about time, considering, as we predicted, this finale episode opens with a time jump to it 1986. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it opens. I Okay, I pushed play the second we got done recording last mm-hmm. time, and I texted y'all almost immediately. Y'all, I'm already crying, because <laughs> the way this episode opens is just exactly what i wanted because we see her from the first like she's standing in front of that uh that hideous wallpaper that i also kind of love Mm -hmm. from the very first scene she's looking in the mirror like we get sheila the first time we meet her and we fast forward to where she is and then i just love that this is a story about control that's when i started crying it's like, mm. oh, it is about control. <laughs> Not going to lie. It also feels like this finale broke out some money to get some really big songs because I can't imagine Janet's control was a cheap song to get. Oh, yes, no, 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 no. But it's the perfect song for this, for this finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this opening, I think, does a great job of setting the tone. Like, it's hard to do a jump forward in time without some kind of montage. So I love that we're getting the usual 360 degree going around Sheila as she's giving these motivational speeches. Mm -hmm. And we learn that she and Greta have indeed done it. They have opened franchises in 50 states over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I was very impressed. And I think that she they they managed to you know, do with it much of what they had planned to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Greta's teaching like when I that was another moment where I was like, <gasps> like I audibly mm-hmm. gasped and cried so many times in this episode. <laughs> Greta's teaching, but also like she's like does not look like she's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, which I which I think which I think is good because like, you know it's not meant to be for for weight loss. It's just mm-hmm. meant to make you make you feel good. 
Yeah. Well, and she gives Sheila a little bit of shit for like missing a step too. And to see that kind of just roll off Sheila's back and she kind of took it in the humorous spirit it was intended to. I was like, she's come so far and their relationship with each other, I think has come so far because earlier, I think that would have sent Sheila into a spiral, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the list of some of the things that Sheila is talking about, about strength in numbers, which Mm -hmm. is what they ended up going with. But we've got things like female ownership, financial independence, building community, teaching, sharing, confidence, commitment, and finally, control. But I do love that everything about this episode is also Sheila finally ceding control. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I uh, I just think it's a really uh, not necessarily to jump ahead too much. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a very daring move for the show to kind of end where she's gotten most of what she wanted, but she, yep. she's still dealing with not being happy. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's you know I I think that's pretty remarkable because it, it's basically saying you know this thing isn't going to cure what's wrong with her. It always yes. it always it just makes it easier to manage. Yeah. Exactly. And that was one of the things, um, you know, I've talked to (laughs) in my own therapy about. It's like you start therapy or you start working on something like this and you think this is going to solve all my problems. And you realize like it's not about that. It's not about fixing everything. It's about giving you tools to manage what comes. And I love that that's where we leave Sheila. Like I am not worried about her going forward the way I have been in some seasons. Mm hmm. So I'm curious, in some ways, this episode also feels like a bit of a greatest hits package, because of course, (laughs) it's the finale, we're never going to see these characters again. Um, But we do get the return of a lot of people who have been fixtures on the show for better or worse. Gina, if you want to get a rant in. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It was only one scene. I'm fine. Yeah. I, I do love Danny's repeated like just refusing to for anyone to badmouth her in front of him right. like like not mm-hmm. his not his sister not jerry and you know he's i think that's very bold of him to you know i mean again i think you know he's a little embarrassed when people do that mm-hmm. you know people imply that she's still you know that he's still if he ever was under her thumb yeah which mm-hmm. you know i don't think he ever was really i mean he has like a, i guess it's like a radio show yes yeah and the foundation that her company funds has given him a grant for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently just, you know, I don't know how Jerry thinks he should be making money otherwise, <laughs> but because it costs money to run any kind of, you know, you know, on air program. And mm-hmm. it's either that or, you know, relying on advertising. Right. And, and I don't know, you know, why Jerry would think running ads would be better than, not even mentioning Sheila by name, just uh, just, right, mention, just mentioning the name the, of the company. The name of the company. So yeah, the, yeah, it's one scene. I'm fine. I'm I'm over it. <laughs> I do have a funny thing though. Do you know who that actor was once married to? Yes, Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendricks. Really? Yes. Yeah. I I looked him. I was looking up the cast, and I was like, Where have I, have I seen this guy in something? He's before? in Devil. Yeah, and oh, okay. and. and and I looked, I was like, Christina Hendricks, former spouse. <laughs> right, right, right. Good on Jeffrey Aren for uh, pulling that in. Oh, I'm exactly. sure he's a delightful guy in real life. Oh, yeah. But, oh, but yeah. yeah, one scene was more than enough to be like, remember Jerry? Yeah, I remember Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember why he doesn't come around anymore? Yeah, Jerry is an unsuccessful human. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> like, 
part of it is because like he does it, he feels like he should be above sponsorship and he can, mm-hmm. should be able to do whatever he wants because his beliefs are so pure. And I think Danny had a lot of that in him earlier, mostly egged on by Jerry. And I think right. where Danny has come is to kind of been able to mature a little bit and keep one foot in reality and one foot still dreaming because there is still like a place for people with really pure ideas. You just have to mm-hmm. be able to temper those with reality. Right. I was going to say you have to, you have to balance it by being rational too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But I think Danny in this situation, like, I don't know. I kept thinking like hell is other people. It just feels <laughs> like he's kind of getting what he deserves, you know, and what he has worked and I don't know if I want to say that in a bad way, because he seems like he's pretty happy right now. But also, like, his chickens have all come home to roost and he's just living in that hen house, you know? Right. I mean, from what we see of Danny, he's doing mostly fine. In a way, yeah. he's also gotten everything that he wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a bit of financial security, but also he's not completely divorced uh-huh, mm-hmm. from Sheila because, yeah, he is taking money from her foundation, but he's still, you know, doing his Danny stuff. He's still an environmentalist. He's still friends with Jerry because, of course, he is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the show, in a lot of ways, has been aspirational, but it's also been very grounded that long-term friendships don't go away in a couple Mm -hmm. of years so i fully believe that these two are still acting like fools but they've just found a way to monetize and do it better they started a podcast bros (laughs) (laughs) i'm hoping that 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 jerry's not on every episode of this this radio show because that's not gonna last very long no but no you're 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 right that he would look at i think he would look at walking away from jerry as you know a form of selling out yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah, and Jerry would tell him that too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Jerry sure. would never. He would never hear. He would <laughs> never hear the end of it. And, yeah. You know, I would bet that, that that you know Jerry probably doesn't get along with the uh, Fidelia. Fidelia, I keep thinking of Fidelia. Mm. What's her name? I don't want to say he's in love with Danny, but you know, any 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 woman or any partner is getting in the way of their friendship. And I think yes. that he would. I mean, we never see them interact with each other. Like I said, uh, you know, Jerry. They're both just in one scene, mm-hmm. and I mean, Fidelia, Fidelia doesn't even get any any dialogue. Yeah. No, but she is pregnant. She, she is pregnant and unhappy, but only because she doesn't feel good. That was yeah. another time I gasped because I was not expecting that. Did not expect to see her again. Did not expect her to be pregnant. I, I don't know. That's the, I think honestly, I think that's the only thing I really didn't buy. Uh, really, in this in this wrap up, I don't know why. I, it, it seemed it seemed a little too too pat, a little, a little too pat, a little too mm-hmm. precious. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been okay if her getting caught by her boss, you know, would, like was the end of it. scared her off. I mean, that would be. I feel like that would be slightly more realistic. But sure. you know, you, you know, nobody comes to a, a TV series for realism all the time. I did appreciate the fact, though, that Danny and Fidelia they don't exactly look happy with yeah. each other. Like, they look very stressed out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and maybe this is just, oh, we're impending parents and the pregnancy has its hiccups, but it also kind of felt like a bit of an oopsie, and now they're going to be stuck together in the same way that Danny and Sheila are kind of stuck together because they're going to co-parent. Mm-hmm. What's your guys' takeaway from, and again, just one scene, Danny's, mm-hmm. really, Danny's not actually in this much. Uh mm-hmm. no. Where Sheila is dropping off Maya, who is she played by the actress's sister? 
because they look she looks very much like Maya, but it's definitely an older Maya. Like she's it about is. she's about ten here or so, but still looks like her. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm wondering if there's like a sibling who was cast to play her because it's, it's good casting. Yeah, it is. Do you get the impression that Danny is still a little complicated about his feelings towards Sheila? A hundred percent. I do. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't. I, I think she's being you know nice to him, nicer than she's ever been before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just kind of still like nervous around her, and and he's kinda, still in love you know, with her. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still always going to carry a torch for her, and I, mm-hmm. I suspect Fidelia knows that. I think so too, and I think part of um, Fidelia's existence in this is to show Sheila being okay with it, you know, and to mm-hmm. show yeah, that yeah, Sheila yeah. does not really feel that way. Yeah, she's not no. making any, she's not making any, like, you know, snide remarks about her, and she's just asking how she's doing, which, again, yeah. for Sheila, that is a huge, that's a huge improvement. It is, mm-hmm. especially considering where Fidelia came from and how they met, you know. Right. Of course, we're also fast-forwarding a little bit, so we don't know what the yeah, immediate we, fallout of this was. We don't see the, you know, the two years or so between when the last episode ended and now of, you know, presumably when she still struggled for a while, when she may have had some setbacks, you know, we just yeah. kind of get to the, you know, but after all that, she made it. Mm-hmm. What I get from Danny, I think, in this episode is this feeling of, like, realization that he had the best thing he was going to have and he kind of squandered Took it. Took it for granted. Yeah. Exactly. And now he's he's making the best of what he's still got. You know? Mm-hmm. Which, again, that's life, too. You know, yeah. that yeah. happens. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Danny's going to be okay, you know. Well, let's consider where Danny was when we met him, too, right? Like, he was running for a failed political bid. He mm-hmm. didn't really seem to have stable goals or, like, a work situation. So, yeah. in some ways, he is better off now. Yeah, he got fired in the first episode, I think. Right. Yeah, he he was like a he was like a college professor or something, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. right, because he Simone. Didn't want to sleep with a student. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of Sheila, we <laughs> don't get the return of the voice, but it does manifest in a brand new way. And Gina, I'm going to turn to you because I know Jen wants to talk about it, so I'm cutting her off. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That was a smart choice. <laughs> Gina, did you ever buy that this was a real relationship in the early parts of the episode? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> Jen, did you fall for it like I did? I did, yes. I wonder how much of that was hopeful for you me. You wanted to believe it. 100%. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing it. That was the first time that I audibly gasped. I almost emailed both of you. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but yeah, I think pretty quickly I realized this is probably not real because like, I don't know, this, this phrase keeps coming into my mind. The variation is that one gets married, that one stays married. You know, John Breen mm-hmm. is not getting divorced. No. And so, but it was very, like, it was my fanfic come to life. It's like, a yeah, little they, bit, they yeah. a very happy life out there, you know. He's there waiting with dinner and red uh-huh. wine. But mm-hmm. it was interesting that... In some ways, this manifestation of him, he's still so clearly Sheila, right? Because oh, yeah, he's yeah. pushing her to be more successful, to be more cutthroat, to cut out people that might slow her down. And in a way, he's not even listening to her about her concerns. But I, I think the thing I love the most about this, aside from the fan fiction, was that <laughs> Sheila knows this isn't real. Yeah. This yeah. isn't a Kelly situation. Yeah, yeah. 
what I what I really liked about when I say no, I didn't believe it. It doesn't doesn't mean I didn't like that they did. I thought it was mm-hmm. I, I thought it was an interesting approach to wrapping up this storyline. It offers you, know, you get that juxtaposition of how he is in her. You can't even call him fantasy. She's just mm-hmm. sort of like you know having a conversation with him right. as you know perhaps the only person she's ever really trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because she believes he knows her better than anybody else has ever known her. Even perhaps still at this point, Greta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the juxtaposition between how he is when she speaks this imaginary version of him, you know, where he's happy, generally, he's relaxed, you know, he's he's enjoying this sort of, you know, very un-Mormon-like, you know, life where he's allowed to have alcohol, and mm-hmm. and then when she sees how he really is, and he's still happy, yeah. just happy without her. Yeah. It, you know, it, but you know, maybe in a more subdued way, but but you know, I I think that's the other thing that she kind of has to come to terms with, and that is a big thing in people who still you know have feelings for a relationship that's no longer happening. It's it's hard to accept that they're not pining for you the way you're pining for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or that life goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And that they are they are able to be happy without you. That's a that's yes. a hard thing for people to accept. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I do really like seeing the the contrasting versions of him because there is the the John Breen that I think Sheila was very attracted to. Yes, and, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. and I think this is, you know, the, it's still Sheila talking to someone who isn't there. But I think you're right, Joe, the fact that she knows that I think may be a healthier manifestation of this thing that happens in her head where a voice comes and she is packaging it in a way that has probably been very helpful for her in a lot of ways you know right it's just keeping it in check and not letting it become you know your fantasy boyfriend is not your actual boyfriend Boyfriend. you know and (laughs) because Greta mentions like I thought you were seeing someone you know and so I think Mm -hmm. that is a little a a red flag that it's gone a little too far but I bet like business-wise having him kind of in the back of her head has really helped her Mm -hmm. and pushed her forward and I think you know she's just She's got to maintain her ability to talk back to this voice and to kind of put it in its place when it needs to, you know? Yes. I, I do think that generally how she is handling this at this point is a li- is healthier Better, than, right? than, than before. <laughs> I mean, people you know, have conversations with themselves all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I pretended to have a boyfriend one time. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't, I don't know that anybody specifically has a whole elaborate you know, scenario of having, you know, dinner with a person who isn't there mm-hmm. and, you know, seeking their advice. But I mean, this is just, you know, maybe one you removed away from, well, what would this person do if they were me? Yeah. yeah. And she didn't set a place setting for him, too. No, you know, no, like, no. <laughs> you know, she knows. One of the reasons I, I thought that they really kind of handled the whole Kelly thing poorly, uh, mm-hmm. when I say they, I mean the, 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 the showrunners, yes. is... Because, you know, there was a point where she was acting as if she was delusional, where, like, yeah. you know, she was hallucinating that this person was there. And it's like, okay, she's about, is she about to snap here? Mm-hmm. And here it's more, she's like, I know he's not there. I'm just pretending he's there. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's that's different. Yeah. It is. And there are elements of Kelly that I think were good and that were kind of a, a bridge to where we end up. But I agree with you, Gina. I think it was just a little unclear and a little clunky at the beginning. But mm-hmm. that is the reality of having intrusive thoughts and voices. Like, they're not ever going to go away. They're just going to shift and morph. And you just have to learn how to accept them and let them go, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So I like seeing that. 
represented, you know, especially in such a hot way. (laughs) (laughs) So it's interesting that we've got this because we acknowledge relatively early in the episode that John Bream is not there. So this is Sheila working through her shit as a successful businesswoman and she's killing it. She's killing the game. But then there's also these moments that almost start to move the show into a bit of a thriller uh-huh. <laughs> where somebody is outside on the veranda. There's a broken pot. And I thought, oh, okay, is she maybe losing control? But lo and behold, <sighs> Jen, I will turn it to you this time. <laughs> it's, it's Tyler. Tyler. Yay. Long haired Tyler, too. Mm-hmm. Like whew, Actually doing yes. it better for me. Lou Taylor Pucci? Hmm. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I like it better, longer, or shorter. I just love it in any length. But yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy to see him. I just love Tyler. And I'm glad with the limited amount of Tyler that we get in this episode, too. You know, because Yeah, because it is not a lot. I thought we were going to see him again with Bunny. It's a little weird yeah. to me that Lou Taylor Pucci and Della Saba don't share a scene in I this know. episode. Yeah. Well, he's in, he's, wherever she is, still, is, 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 is she still in Los Angeles? I think it's Los Angeles. This is her new house, right? Yeah, she, yeah. And, 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 and Bunny's in Mexico. So, yeah. you know, I mean, there, there, you know, there wouldn't really be any reason for them to, to, to be together. Yeah. And he's got a puppy in his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Well, I think we're left with the impression after Sheila's visit that Bunny would probably reach out and they would get back together like the show felt like it left them in a very hopeful place but um yeah just this one scene with tyler where he basically says hey bunny has gone down to mexico to take what's yours which of course sets sheila off but then when we actually see bunny uh gina i'm gonna turn it to you it's been gosh so long since we've seen this character how did you feel about the return of a character we always wanted more of? I'm really, really glad that they brought this around full circle because mm-hmm. I think that that the way Sheila treated Bunny and, and Tyler mm-hmm. was, you know, I don't want to say unforgivable, but you pretty know, fucking she, bad. Yeah, they, yeah. they of every of everyone, they got fucked over the most. Mm-hmm. Right, her her rise to success, mm-hmm. and I think it's because you know both Sheila and John Bream kind of you know they steamroll over people, yeah, and, and looked at them as you know you know they're beach trash that are beneath us, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, and and you know but as Sheila correctly points out, none of this would have been possible without Bunny. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was such a clever way to bring Bunny back into this by having her be one of the franchise people well she's infringing on the franchise and sheila inadvertently sick the lawyers on her without even realizing that's what was happening mm-hmm. yeah sheila it's at a point in her career where she doesn't even need to get involved and stuff mm-hmm. like that like like you know apparently her lawyers are very tough about shutting down which is like like okay just they're just shutting down other gyms <laughs> that, yeah. that, that, that seems a little uh you know extreme but you know i i don't know I, I don't know anything about the rise of you know gym culture on a specific business level in the 80s but 
but yeah, and so you know, Bunny was happy. She was teaching classes, and then Sheila, you know, to to her estimation, comes in and takes it all away again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you jump back to the opening spiel that Sheila was giving all these franchise owners, building community, yeah. sharing control, like Sheila's still doing it, and I I kind of love that this is the final piece of the chain that sheila needs to let go of like the show doesn't hit us over the head with it but i took away from this that sheila is going to look at do we need to be litigiously shutting down other people or can we start to let that go and really embrace the idea that we're building community through fitness well she did she did seem when when greta mentioned that that there were a couple of places she seemed a little surprised by that like she she actually did not know that that was going on yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, this feels like a final piece of the puzzle for Sheila that I'm really glad we came back to because like over the course of this season, we've talked about like what the heart of the show is, you know, and I think we've talked about it being Sheila and Greta and we've talked about it being Sheila and Danny, but mm-hmm. it started as Sheila and Bunny, you know, True. and I yeah. think we haven't seen her in so long that I think I had forgotten what a big part Bunny was in helping Sheila. And I love seeing Sheila acknowledge that when she just says, you saved me. And I think like, as, as far as her recovery goes, you know, there's an AA saying there, you're only as sick as your secrets. And I think this is something that has been lurking in the back of Sheila's brain for a long time, even if she's not aware of it or really kind of verbalizing it. And this gives her a chance to let that go. And to mm-hmm. let the the guilt of that go, or at least try to make amends, you know, which is one of the twelve steps. So, yeah, I do love the now. I, I mean, maybe you guys didn't. This wasn't your takeaway from what Tyler says, but you know, Sheila's immediate thought that that is that Buddy has somehow gone to Mexico and is now like to fuck John Bream with John <laughs> Bream, I guess. Which is like, come on, Sheila, Sheila, <laughs> like, grow you know, up. And Sheila, and Sheila wasn't good. And John wasn't going to leave you, leave his wife for you. He's not going to leave his wife for Bunny. Come on. No. And then it just it turns out Bunny's just teaching classes, mm-hmm. classes like that. I guess other Mormon women are are are, are taking like Maria. Maria, Maria, Maria's there and. And, and you know, so she's just she's doing what she wants to do. She's teaching a class, and and yeah. you know, Maria, although she still bristles when she sees Sheila, but she should, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't blame her. Well, did you like that? It seems like Maria was the one who sought out Bunny almost mm-hmm. as a, you know what? I don't even know if Sheila's ever going to realize, but also fuck that woman. So she brings in her competitor. Right, right, right. <laughs> sure, we we didn't really get to explore it that much, but I I would bet that that Maria has a a you know a vengeful streak a mile mm-hmm. wide, yeah. and you know that. But I I also find it interesting that she you know, does not feel threatened by Bunny, even though, you know, right. B- Bunny is, you know, younger than Sheila and, you know, probably, you know, gets the impression that she's, you know, more easily, you know, cowed by, by John Bream's success. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, you know what, I'm going to have you, I'm going to bring you in as a teacher anyway. Well, but let's talk about the real John Bream. So Sheila mm-hmm. does go to see him at his church and this feels like a completely but still very believable version of this character. Mm -hmm. He seems more like the kind of person that Maria would be in love with and not worry about. He's, he's, he's about as close to being relaxed as I think he is capable to being, which, you know, yeah, he doesn't look like, you know, the world's his oyster, but he's definitely different. You know, Mm -hmm. he's, he's, you know, 
he's not upset to see her. In fact, he he says he he expects to he he had expected to see her show up at some point. But yeah. he's not all like, oh, you can't be here. He's just like, oh, you're here. Like like mm-hmm. I I figured this was gonna happen, but. You know, he's very laid back about it. You know, I don't think he feels that she's a threat to him anymore, as far as like a, a, you know, a threat to him doing something he's going to regret. Right. Yeah. You, you know, she's like an old friend at this point. And I, again, I'm sure that that's hard for her to take. I, I have no doubt that she had some image in the back of her mind where he was going to be like, oh, thank God you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas it's like, he's like, oh, you're here. Okay. Well, let me tell you about how, you know, how nice my life is now. Not in a, not in a like, <laughs> you know, smug way, but just in a, well, you know, you know, I take care of the kids now. So, so Maria can take these exercise classes and you know, that's a, a new thing for him. Now he says kids, right. which makes me wonder, like, did they have another baby at some point? I think it's the members of the congregation. Oh, yes, 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 you're right. Group. Okay, yeah. you're right, you're right. Yeah, because, like, their sons were pretty much almost grown. Right. And I was like, the, the, but he definitely said kids, but yeah, no, I think you're right. He's talking about the, the like, kids of the church. Mm-hmm. Which, John Bream, the real one, feels like somebody who has just completely put the past behind him and may not be, like, 100% happy, but is is really in a good place, you know? And I think that... There is a piece of him that really has always cared about Sheila. I think part mm-hmm. of what oh, I love about their relationship is that they do really care about each other, even though they've done a lot of toxic shit with each other. And yes. I think he wants that for her also, you know, to to be able to relax and to be able to kind of accept the flawed reality of life, but also that there's a lot of happiness you can find. And so I think Sheila seeing that, in him i agree it probably is hard for her but i think it also like in a weird way kind of gives her permission to let go of it too you know yes and say this is a part of our past yeah yeah because that's what she's there for right i mean right yeah she she brought greta to mexico under false pretenses basically just so she could go and see her Mm ex-lover and this is what she needs for closure right it's sheila once again recognizing what she actually needs and then following through on it but i think the thing that took me most by surprise was not oh john breen does seem more relaxed he actually is looking after children you know he's not Mm -hmm. pretending to be this masculine ideal where he doesn't engage with the children or do women's work or something Mm -hmm. like that where he holds his own child in a carrier instead of (laughs) (laughs) but i i don't know this is the part of the episode i was actually the most mixed on but not in a bad way i just didn't know how to feel about it Mm -hmm. because he looks like he's about to cry the whole time he's talking to sheila like you can see he's got tears in his eyes Mm -hmm. um i mean i think that he's just you know uh, emotional to see her Mm -hmm. yeah but i also think it's interesting that the, the thing he had to step away from in order to be you know something close to happy is the one thing she admired most about him. Yeah. And the one thing she's done. Since right. Is left. You know, yeah. being a workaholic, you know, being being a, a uh, you know, a person who's got a lot of pressures and responsibilities. And then, I mean, I'm sure he has, you know, pressures and responsibilities being a, a, a church leader, but sure. they're a different, they're a different kind. You yeah. Know? So, so the thing, the thing that she, you know, that made him, you know, sexy and enticing to her is mm-hmm. something that ultimately made him unhappy. Yeah. Which I, I thought was I thought was a very interesting angle to take. 
But it also seems like the show is once again using him as a model, right? Like she was attracted to him because of his drive, his business acrimon. And now she's looking at him as, oh, you're what I need to aspire to be again because she is a workaholic and she's not enjoying the grind anymore. Mm -hmm. So I... I firmly believe that after this trip, not only will she not pine after him or project ghost versions of him into her life, but I do think that she'll pull back from the business and learn to relax more. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. take some more classes. And I think, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that emotional expression with him is him kind of realizing how far he's come, you know, because he is kind of seeing Sheila at the position that he was. And he's also heard from Bunny too. And I'm sure Bunny is not presenting a very flattering picture of Sheila. So he may have been expecting Sheila to come in and like really want to shut everything down kind of the Mm -hmm. way he would have before. And to see her just kind of be there and be open to something new, I think maybe might be emotional for him too, you know, because she was a big part of his life change too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the episode ends. This is the part that got me real good. Yeah, it was very sweet. How long have I been saying, I just want them to do aerobics together and be best friends. You literally got your wish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I was so happy. That was very, it was a very sweet, you know, upbeat, but not corny way to end. And what's been really a difficult and challenging show a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, once again, we maybe two or three episodes ago, were literally having conversations about whether or not the show was going to nail the landing. Like, yeah. could it possibly wrap things up? It was it was doing everything in such a hyper accelerated fashion. It seemed impossible that any of this would be remotely satisfying. And yet something as simple as Sheila dancing with all of the important people surrounding her in her life, I was just like, yep. My husband had to look over at me. He was like, are you okay? It's 9.30 in the morning and you're crying very badly. <laughs> like, but it's so good. Yeah, it just is the perfect way, symbolic way to end the show. And it was such a nice, like, kind of trip down memory lane for me as a viewer yeah. to kind of think about all of the different stages we've been through with this character, you know, and everything mm-hmm. we've learned from everyone else. And, you know, they're not all perfect and they're not all fixed and they're not all in the best place right now but i feel good about where we left all of them and i did not think i would be able to say that no i did like uh when she is basically thanking bunny for you kind of starting mm-hmm. this all for and bunny basically said you know yeah, well someone taught someone taught it to me i didn't yes. you know, i didn't invent this or anything which i you know i i i, I like that it kind of that kind of led into the monologue at the end about how everybody you know being how you know it connects people mm-hmm. yeah maybe it belongs to all of us you know oh i'm getting chills yeah that's just so such a perfect moment of acknowledgement because you know she did screw bunny over but you know bunny was a part of starting something in her life that really helped her a lot and bunny doesn't own it either it's just mm-hmm. that the way she treated bunny was wrong not that she stole something that belonged to bunny you know yeah and Delivered with such perfect acerbic wit by mm-hmm. Della Saba. Oh. I just, I miss this character so much. Oh, me too. Me too. Just yeah. even this brief little bit of her, it was like, oh, 
how is she bringing back a character almost a full year after not being on the show, kind of being unceremoniously written off? Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, it was such a good moment. And it's a perfect summation of both Sheila's journey as an individual and the character that we followed for three years, but then also the larger goals of the show, just talking about how this was never about fitness. It was about community. It's about learning to let go and acknowledging the people who play an important part in your life. Yeah. I mean, like, think about back to to the first one or two episodes where it becomes very apparent that Sheila doesn't have any friends, mm-hmm. that that she, you know, she doesn't even she doesn't even really get along with the other the other moms at uh at Maya's preschool. Mm-hmm. You know, she's kind of a little she's she's very snobby. But you oh, know, yeah. is, is it that she's snobby because she genuinely thinks that she's that she's better than everybody else, or is it sort of, you know, is she kind of shielding herself from anyone getting closer? I mean, it could be, I mean, she really doesn't have anything to be all that snobby about. You know, she yeah. lives a pretty mm-hmm. ordinary, yeah. you know, you know, middle-class life. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. very attractive. She's very thin, which obviously she, you know, that's, that's her pride initially is that, you know, she's very, she's very in good shape. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, remember when she goes to uh, like an event at, at uh, Greta's house? And she's shocked that Greta has friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. she's just like generally baffled by this, and it's yeah. like, you know, are, are you shocked because Greta's fat, or because Greta because you don't like Greta, or because you really are just completely out of touch with how friends work? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and yes. I was yeah. going to say all. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the color party, right? Where yeah, I think are you so. a summer yeah. or a fall? Yeah. Yeah, right. I think so. Where she just she does not understand how these things work. Yeah. And to come to that point where, you know, I generally think that Greta is probably still like her closest friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I get the impression she probably still keeps people a little bit of a distance. Sure. But, you know, she allows herself to be part of a community now. Yeah. And, you know, it just so happens she had to kind of start that community. Yeah. yeah. And the symbolism of seeing them all dance around her for someone who has been pushing people away for so mm-hmm. long, I think is so sweet. And we also see, we see her kind of poking at a zit in the mirror, too, which is also a callback to the very first thing we heard the voice say was like, you look old, you've got a zit, you know, right. and to see her just kind of living with this and and continuing to move forward and knowing because it's not the last thing the last thing we see is her walking out to the ocean in everything she's built and just said i just have to let go and that's it and it just feels so like forward facing and greta says you know the ocean is a mirror and so as she is facing the ocean i think that's kind of saying like she has accepted who she is and Mm -hmm. flaws and all and is brave enough to share who she is with other people. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because that final moment is she was alone, but everything about the way she's gotten here, she's comfortable with herself, but also she's comfortable being looked at, engaging with other people. Like Gina, I was thinking back to that first season and how... Sheila couldn't even talk to another woman, much less remember Mm -hmm. when she was trying to sell the tapes in the grocery store in season two, or sorry, not even the grocery store. It was in the furniture store because that was the only place that would let her sort of set up. Mm -hmm. And she just could not find a way to relate to women. She had to use her sex appeal to sell the tapes to men. And now look at her. She started a fitness empire that's all about community that's female-led financially independent in 50 different states like yeah 
it's wild. Yeah. And she's still going to her group. And I think this was in mm. two episodes ago, but it's such a small moment that I think we were just talking about other things. But we see her still going to this group and still talking to this the friend Harriet. that she met. Yeah, Harriet. That's right. And just it's such a sweet moment to see her still staying with her own recovery also, even though mm-hmm. she's helping other people find that. I was going to say, you, you mentioned uh, Alcoholics Anonymous earlier, Jen, and, and you know, for, for a lot of these things, you do have to just keep at it. Yeah. There's, there's no point where you're just like, well, I'm cured now. It's, right. a, it's the same thing as, 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 as depression and anything mm-hmm. like that, where I don't mean to resort to a cliche, but you have to keep doing the work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and Harriet says, like, I made it to a year. And I think we met her more than a year ago, too. We so did. that kind of implies a little bit of a slip, but they keep going. Mm-hmm. And I really like that Sheila is self-effacing in mm-hmm. the way that she tries to brush off praise. And Harriet refuses to let her do that because it's an important part of Sheila's own recovery to acknowledge the things that she's doing well and let other people compliment her. Mm-hmm. Even if it is a tax write-off. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a friend who is very um, adamant about my negative self-talk, you know, and it felt really abrasive at first when she was like, no, don't say that about yourself. But it is important, I think, for people that do tend to downplay their own um, successes or happiness, mm-hmm. you know, to have that friend in your life that will remind you that, no, you're pretty good. You know, you did a good thing. It's okay to say that, you know. Right. And it it often is our interior voice who says, like, no, you can't compliment yourself. That's jaded. That's narcissistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the reality is, is like, sometimes you need somebody else to tell you you've done something good. And sometimes you need somebody else to say, shut up and take the fucking compliment. (laughs) Yeah. I was literally going to say that exact phrasing. I, I, you know, I had a friend say to me, you've got to learn how to take a fucking compliment. It's so hard. It is hard. (laughs) It is hard. Like, oh, it's nothing. Uh, Yeah. 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 No, I, no, I, yeah, I struggle with that myself absolutely you know whereas you know you as i'm sure is the same for 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 you two you know i have i have i have no issue keeping praise on other people Mm -hmm. but but i you know i have a hard time accepting it myself yeah yeah but i also think that there's a balance like what is popping into my head right now and i'm sorry to talk about barbie again but i just love that movie but the moment where she says thank you white saver barbie and then barbie was like no 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 it's really you know she did most of the work like there is i think an important part of sheila's journey too is learning how to find the balance between taking appropriate credit and letting people see your flaws you know because i think an earlier version of sheila the sheila who completely cut bunny out would want all of the credit for herself too Absolutely. while secretly loathing herself inside and so i think she has found a really a really good balance in between those two things which is really hard to find you know just for anybody but let alone someone like sheila mm-hmm. so i want to talk a little bit more about that final image because i feel like gina you've been calling this for nearly an entire season mm-hmm. it's sheila by herself and she's made to ponder she got everything she wanted but at what cost which i think is what you've been saying yeah this entire season at least mm-hmm. how do you feel about this ending uh, you know like i said i don't know that she's happy i think that she's at peace which which yeah. you know that you know what that's you know, maybe it. as much as she could ask for yeah I, yeah I mean i think i think happiness is possible for her 
mm-hmm. but I don't know that she quite knows exactly what all the things that need to fall into place are before she can look at herself and say, yeah, I'm happy. Right. And I think that, I think you're exactly right. At peace feels really true. But I also get the feeling that her story is not over, too. No. You know, it's no, not, no, no. yeah. You know, it's not like The Sopranos ending on a literal blank screen, like no spoilers. <laughs> like, I get the feeling that this is the start of a new journey for Sheila because this journey is complete. But that doesn't mean life ends. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I think it's definitely very cleverly left to really, you know, well, what do you think, audience? Do you think that, <laughs> right. do, do you think this was all worth it? And I think depending on, on your, you know, your point of view, maybe yes, maybe no. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit more yes than even just a couple of episodes, though. Like, yeah. if you had told me that Sheila ended up alone even in somewhere as nice as this palatial home that she's apparently bought in LA with an ocean view. I I would have thought that that was the show ending on a note of sadness. And there's optimism and hope in this ending, albeit, I think you're right, not necessarily happiness. Well, and she's only really alone romantically too. Well, there is that too. She's got a network now and, you know, Maya lives with her too. And I like that we see this scene with Maya. I feel like their relationship is a lot better too, even though mm-hmm. Maya is definitely enter- entering tweendom, which is. Yes. Um, but... She's got the shoes with the wedges. Yeah. Oh, oh man. That, yeah. I have a daughter who's 11 right now. And so I was like, oh. Just yeah. the same age, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but I feel like. If it were Sheila romantically alone and alone, as far as everything else was concerned too, then I would feel very sad. But Mm -hmm. I think knowing that she's got a community now that's going to help her, you know, and who knows, maybe Carlos is back in the house somewhere just (laughs) making her some sexy tomatoes. I was going to say he's her personal chef now or something. I mean... (laughs) I mean, I'd hire, I'd hire Carlos. I would hire Carlos. Yeah, <laughs> Guy's got a way of some vegetables. Yeah. There we go. And she can clearly afford them, so. Yeah. Love his eggplant. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Well, why don't we move beyond the finale? And we've already started to do it a little bit. But let's talk about the legacy of the show. So what are we taking away from it? What were the high points, the low points? How are we going to reflect back on the show? I just love the show so much. I And it feels like an emotional journey that has kind of aligned with a lot of my own personal journey. And not to get too personal, but... Uh, get like, personal. You so, can do that. <laughs> <laughs> when have I ever gotten too personal, you know? <laughs> um, but... Since the first episode of the show and the last episode, I have been diagnosed with OCD and have kind of acknowledged that the voice in my head is a thing. And so to see Sheila deal with that and kind of the different stages it takes and how she kind of shifts and morphs through it and accepts it and rejects it. And, you know, my I don't have eating disorder issues, but I've had addiction issues. And so to watch her kind of deal with all of this and still kind of maintain a sense of like being a character that I can still care about even when she is doing despicable things. Mm -hmm. And I love that the show has not shied away from making her unlikable because that is real too, you know? So I think I am going to really fondly remember the show 
and probably go back to it because it's, it's given me a lot, but it always has always kept like felt fun. You know, it's never gotten way too deep into the muck of Sheila's messy brain that it doesn't feel good to watch. You know, there's always some poppy eighties music that I can kind of come back to and remember like, like Xanadu. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that made me yeah. so happy. When I was when I was a little girl, that was my favorite song. Perfect. Love Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> Gina, what about you? Um, you know, it took me a little longer than you guys to kind of get on board with what they were what they were doing with this. I found it a a challenging show at times in a, in a, in a, yep. in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, Jen, you know, it, it's kind of wild that in 2023 that it's, you know, daring to have the female protagonist of a TV show be unlikable. Right. Yeah. And yet she's not a villain either. Yeah. You know, she's just this very messed up person whose you know various disorders you know make her do unpleasant things mm-hmm. you know and as someone who has struggled with an eating disorder we still don't have enough media about mm-hmm. it because i think it's something that people are just they find the idea they find so repellent yeah. That oh you're wasting food and people are starving and and you know now I never really did anything like without going in gory detail I've never done anything like go out and buy like thirty hamburgers and and eat them and then purge them but right. there's, there's been similar behaviors and I certainly you know struggled when I was you know my early twenties with just starving myself not to the point where I was you know down to dangerously low weight just not eating as much as I should have been mm-hmm. and. And, you know, people are kind of repulsed by it, you know, and, and it's like, well, that's that attitude is not helping me when I'm already no. repulsed with, you know, Myself. what I'm doing and who I am. Mm. You know, I, you know, people with who struggle with this need compassion. And I, and I do not to be raging feminist, but I do think it's because it's a, you know, I mean, there are men who do struggle with eating disorders, but not sure. it's overwhelmingly women. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think because of that, people are automatically dismiss it that it's not quite the same thing as a drug problem or a drinking problem or what have you. Because I think that they feel like it's something you could stop if you wanted to stop it. Yeah, and it, we we still really don't understand it, and and I think that you know having a character you know deal with this and also basically say that there's no easy solution for this mm-hmm. that you know no one can tell you oh just eat like you know carlos so helpful thanks right like you know between here carlos didn't know what she was going through i don't think that she she told him at least not right away that she has been trying to recover from an eating disorder you know, but I think the way he did it, you know, if he knew, would have been selfish. It's like you can't, even in a friendly, you know, positive way, cajole someone into eating. Mm-hmm. And of course, obviously, Danny literally forcing food into her mouth. Yeah. You know, out of out of you know, I mean, I understand he was panicking and he was scared, but you know, but again, that's that's happened to me more or less. And and you know, it doesn't help. It did not yeah. help, <laughs> no. but it's because we don't, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows how to deal with it. Nobody knows how to deal with it, even now, and certainly not 40 years ago. And, and you know, I, I keep harping on, you know, for all three seasons about how well this captures, 
the weirdness of the diet industry. I do think I, I, I do think that the, the the show lacked more reference to the diet candy known as AIDS. <laughs> Which, you know, and like how, you know, women were just, you know, the diet pills basically used to just be just straight up speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how, you know, dangerous a lot of ladies like over the counter advertised on television yep. methods for for you know, weight control were and it was just such a bizarre Batman. time yeah mm-hmm. and yeah and i i think that this show captured that very well and and i think that more shows need to be upfront with that particularly when you are dealing with the entertainment industry already who's already pushing a very unrealistic view of what women's bodies should look like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the overlap between like the obsession with thinness just because of cultural beauty standards for women too i think they have done kind of a good job of kind of exploring that and also that like exercise can become addictive also and you know Mm -hmm. there's exercise bulimia exists and i don't know if we ever really saw that on the show but i mean she was definitely Mm. getting addicted to it she was yeah she was was having when she was going down into the basement to do it in the middle of the night yeah she was she was hiding it from danny which you know so you know that that's still addictive behavior would she leave her father's funeral i think to go to vinnie green's she did yes that's why that's why I'm so glad that, you know, even though Greta is leading a class now, you know, she's you know, not like, oh, my God, now Greta's thin, you know, right. she, she's exactly. still she's still the same Greta. Because that's not what it's yeah. about. Yeah. That, that would have really just kind of flew in the face of what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, in hindsight, with three seasons in the rearview mirror, I do think that the Kelly Kilmartin storyline was probably the show's worst subplot i think it was in hindsight just so poorly executed and again we speculated maybe it's because they thought they were going to have another season or Mm -hmm. they thought they were going to be able to do stuff with Minnie green and then they had to switch to this character whatever the, the rationale was there were so many opportunities to tell different stories by using kelly as a proxy and it felt like all we wanted to do was swap the voice in sheila's head and that could have been powerful but i don't think it was executed with the same finesse as we saw with a lot of the other subplots in the show and i can't help but wonder what could have been done if we had have kept bunny around and made her the rival yeah yeah because i you know i've projected a lot onto kelly Sure. But every time I do, I have to really reach for it. And I'm like, is this what the show is intending? Or is this just what I am seeing through my own lens? So I I agree with you. I think there is a lot more potential there that it feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I I agree. I I really did not ever really get a a, a bead on what they were trying to do with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also sometimes get real grossed out by really, really sticky lipstick, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, that was, that was, you know, yeah, there was definitely like lip gloss that like if your hair like blew in the wind, it would like, it would just like stick to your, to your lips. You just had to go home, you know? (laughs) Well, day's over. (laughs) Right. Exactly. My hair's pink now. (laughs) I think that, you know, the original intent with Kelly was to be yet another example of, you know, what you see doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. Right. But then they just sort of 
went we all over the it. place with this character and and i you know she was just this kind of she ended up ultimately being this sort of like one note villain and i'm like mm, yeah. mm-hmm. and i wonder if they had already signed the contract with zoe deschanel when they found out that they were only getting one more season mm, maybe you know it does yeah it just i don't know there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, her, her faux Southern accent was entertaining. But, yeah, overall, that's the one thing of the show I could have left out. Now, I would, of course, have loved to see more Tyler and Bunny. <laughs> I did think it was cute how uh, when when Sheila tells Bunny that that you know, Tyler went to go see her, the first question Bunny was like, "Well, how did he look?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, these two crazy kids still they they should get back together at some point." Gosh, they feel like little beach soulmates to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thinking about characters, who is your show MVP and why? I want to give a shout out to Tyler because I love him. (laughs) (laughs) But I think Sheila is because the show would not work without how likable but unlikable I think she has allowed herself to be and kind of navigating back and forth through all of this. I think she has really held a lot of the disparate parts of the show together, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, Sheila. The lack of awards recognition for Rose Byrne for this role is honestly, I was going to say it's flabbergasting. It's not, but it is very frustrating because I feel like the show being a a dramedy immediately disqualifies it in a lot of people's minds. Like, oh, well, I don't really know where we would recognize that. And she's Mm -hmm. being funny, but also it's so dark. And I think, Gina, you probably nailed it, that she was so unlikable for so long that no one could get behind it, even though the performance was staggering. But yeah, I just think Rose Byrne has been out here doing the fucking work for three years and nobody wants to give her any credit. Yeah. When I've reviewed the show, I always emphasize like how much of her most effective acting is in her eyes and her body language, mm-hmm. where where like she's you know thinking and saying the most awful you know things, and you can tell like she hates this, yes. like that this voice she hates it, and and she doesn't have any control over it, at least at first. And like, like the minute she says something, you can see it in her eyes, like, oh my god, I did not mm-hmm. mean to say that. Like, like there's like yeah. immediately, immediate regret, and like she just, you know, she looks like a wounded person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, the way that she, as, as attractive as she is, and as her character is, as you can imagine, other people perceive her as, which I think is another reason people might have a little trouble getting behind this character as a concept, because mm-hmm. again, people don't think that you know conventionally attractive women, they don't believe that they actually have issues with feeling attractive. Of course not. Yeah. So, so I think that you know when she comes strolling into a party looking like the hottest woman in the room, and the other women are kind of like like oh who the hell she thinks she is you know it's hard to buy that she does not feel that way Mm -hmm. but you know i think that you know she i don't want to say she has awkward body language but i guess it's guarded yeah she always looks like she's expecting someone to hit her and that's and and that's very much a you know someone who has dealt with some sort of abuse in the in the the past whether Mm -hmm. you know domestic violence or sexual abuse but she's got it she really did her research here and yeah she's somebody who unfortunately has fallen under the radar when it comes to you know being very you know strong effective actors and and i think it's because generally she's known mostly for doing comedy yes Mm -hmm. comedy and horror 
Well, and she literally has another show on Apple with Seth Rogen, where they're basically just doing their neighbors. I mean, not just, but, you know, I think that's the role that people associate her with. You're right, Gina, it's comedy, but it's also like, it's it's slapstick and that kind of stuff. And like, there's physicality and pratfalls in physical. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is there's quite a bit more than that. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, my MVP of the series, it, it's Danny. Yeah. Yay, I was hoping someone would Danny, I think, has shown, other than Sheila, obviously, the most remarkable growth from, but mm-hmm. but, but realistically, he's yeah. still kind of a sad sack. He is. But, he started real low, too. But, but so like, low. he's trying, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's, you know, at least he is there for Bedelia. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't mm-hmm. run out on her. He, you know, he has some sense of responsibility. And, you know, more or less, he's a pretty good father. I think, yeah. I think, you know, you know, drunk driving accident aside, which oh obviously, <laughs> which obviously he, you know, was devastated over that. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, when things started going downhill for, for him and Sheila, you know, he did you know stay true to his parental responsibilities what a lot of men in his position would have just you know dumped the kid and ran off sure so and he was living in a bachelor like apartment building right Mm -hmm. i so expected him to lose complete control of himself just go on any number of flings and well yeah i mean he kind of does it with fidelia and it feels a little bit like he's trying to get back at sheila because he's going after a woman very close to her the fact that they're still together and expecting by the end of the series is another small incremental sign of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. he. I think he. You know, whereas Sheila is probably at least for now better off being alone. Yeah, I think Danny's the opposite. I think Danny can only function when he is part of a unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's being you know parent and child or you know boyfriend and girlfriend husband and wife. I don't know if they say they are married or not but they're still they're still together he and right. Fidelia and he so easily could have just been a buffoon you know mm-hmm. and I think he you know Rory Scavell has really brought a lot of nuance to that character yes yeah a lot of heart a lot of comedy yeah I think he's also been really really good at portraying things without actually having to say the things out loud like oh, yeah yeah he's just as wounded as sheila in different ways mm-hmm. and i think that rory scoville has done a great job of showing just how small danny feels like honestly the i'm just danny line from yeah. 309 broke me mm-hmm. um mine i wish i could give it to deirdre friel as greta I think this would be my other second big regret for the show is that we never we never had enough time to let Greta be her own character. She was mm-hmm. always just a little too much in Sheila's shadow. And I think Greta has had some fantastic moments. We've seen a lot of growth in her as well, but it's always been connected to Sheila's storyline. We've mm-hmm. never really gotten that 100% Greta-only storyline. Yeah. yeah, they just kind of like. I mean, she mentioned still being married to Ernie, which I was surprised mm-hmm. about. I will, I will, I will admit. Uh, but she's so rich at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we just, you know, Ernie just kind of disappears, like about like Truly. like halfway through the season, which which seemed a little odd. I, mean, I realized he was never a major character, yeah. but I wonder if it was it, maybe they couldn't get Ian Gomez back for very much either. But 
or they ran out of time like with the yeah. with the with the Kelly storyline because you know it seemed like Greta was going to lose her marriage over this mm-hmm. you know or that she would have to quit work you know, make a choice either you know stay married or continue working with Sheila and you know she kind of little has her cake and eats it too but you know it, it, whatever it's fine it's just, it's, yeah. a, it's a small it's it's the smallest of complaints yeah so I will default then to Paul Sparks as John yeah. Bream. Mm-hmm. He was the one where I really just didn't know what they were doing with the character. It never yeah. was clear to me early on whether he was going to be a love interest, if he was going to be a villain. You know, Gina, I think sometimes you had a lot of difficulty reading him and understanding how the show was using him. And I can't disagree with that. But the performance by Paul Sparks and... Just how vitally important John Breen became to the show, I think, as they started to know how to use him in relation to Rose Byrne, Sheila. I just, I ended up really loving this character, and I thought that he had such great depths of emotionality, like unexpected, in ways that kept shocking and surprising me, and honestly the sexual chemistry between him and (laughs) Sheila. I just could not get enough of it. Like I was so worried we were never going to see the character again. And when he pops up, yeah, I I was right there with you, Jen. I was living my fan fiction fantasy, imagining Mm -hmm. the two of them finally together because I wanted it. The show made me want it. But he sold that fantasy to me. Yeah. And even though we knew it was not what was best for both of them, we still wanted it because it was so much fun to watch. But I mm-hmm. also love that he got a happy ending, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, they all got what they wanted, more yeah. or less. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we say, you know, once you have what you want, are you still happy? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, and again, with, with, with John Bream, I think he is as close to happy as he's capable of feeling. Mm-hmm. which you know may not be other people's idea of happy but it works for him so mm-hmm. that's fine you know i mean it's fine <laughs> yeah well and i think you know they uh, they got what they wanted or they got what they needed you know yeah mm-hmm. and i think they maybe realized what they needed can be what they want to you know right yeah well any other final thoughts on physical the entire show Put Lou Tyler Pucci in more things, please, world. <laughs> put Della Saba in and Della she's, Saba. Ador- she's adorable. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you gotta put her as like someone's like sassy sassy sister or something. Uh-huh. Put her in a slasher film. Yeah, she'd yes. be great in a slasher film, yeah. Yes, yeah, I don't think I've, I've seen her in anything else other than this. No. It's it's a crime. <laughs> like I, I agree. She she should have broken out after that first season. I think the other thing we're not acknowledging is that tragically Apple for all of the money that it has and for all the shows it has, it is never broken out. Like mm-hmm. our episodes on physical do far less well compared to every other milk toast erotic thriller <laughs> we've covered. Mm-hmm. And it's just because I think Apple TV does not have the access. People refuse to buy into it. And that's yeah. also tragic because I like a lot of their content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. And I love that they would put money behind a show like this, too, you know? Mm-hmm. And keep it on the air for three seasons. Right. Because every fucking year, we thought they were going to cancel it. Yes, we sure did. Yeah, could you imagine if the last thing we had seen of the show was those two jerking off in the middle of a mall? <laughs> <laughs> and we thought that might happen. That moment. Uh, 
so good. Or, or even just last season when, you know, it yeah. looked like she was going to out to destroy Danny and then like mm-hmm. that did never really that never really happened. Yeah, that was just to give us an evil power suit hot moment. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do appreciate. Right. Well, speaking of power suits and power plays oh, and revenge, nice. ladies, this isn't the end of White Ladies in Crisis, but before we announce where we're headed next, Gina, how would people get a hold of you if they want to talk about any and all things physical? I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast. Uh, you can reach me on Blue Sky under Gina Does Things or Instagram. Uh, I also write for uh, thespool.net and I have a substack, ginawatchesthings.substack.com. Okay. And Jen, if people want to talk to you about everybody getting in a circle and dancing, <laughs> how would they get in touch? You can find me at Jim Ferratu on uh, various social media platforms, also co-hosting the Losers Club podcast and the Girls on the Boys podcast, and also writing about, you know, the horror version of women dancing around in circles and having fun. So yeah, and I'll post it all at Jim Ferratu. Nice. And I give you reached at B still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, we will thank the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. So ladies, we step back from weekly coverage. Now that we don't have a TV show, we're going to switch back to movies for the foreseeable future, just to give ourselves a little breather. And Mm -hmm. we've got a bit of a dandy to kick us back into movie realm so we're going to be talking about fair play which is a netflix movie that is dropping on october 13th and this brings us back firmly into sexual power plays the relationship between men and women and how men are basically garbage (laughs) (laughs) i like it already I do too. I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) What for this show? This doesn't seem on brand (laughs) at all. (laughs) I was like, that that really is our comfort zone, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, folks, tell us how you felt about physical, if there was anything you would have liked us to have talked about. But uh, yeah, tell us if you plan on watching Fair Game and come back in a little while and we'll have it out. But, uh, you know, until then. Go to Mexico under false pretenses. Yes. Do, do it. And be best friends and do aerobics. Always. Yes. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.